Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus 33. Exodus 33, verse 12. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, uh, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. Verse 13. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. If you're pleased with me, Teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open up your word, you speak. That our hearts be open to hear the voice of the Spirit. Father, what we need above all else is a revelation from you, Lord God. So be glorified, I pray, in Jesus' name. Bind every work of the enemy, every spirit of fear and intimidation. We come against it in Jesus' name. Be glorified today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed, and we will give you all the glory and honour in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, I want to speak over the next couple of weeks on the subject, The Ways of God. The Ways of God. title for the series comes from a prayer that we just read. It's Moses' prayer to God. And he says, if you're pleased with me, then teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Uh, To help us understand this particular scripture, we need to understand the backstory. Uh, Most of us know the story of how God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, uh, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, the defeat of the Egyptians. And when they crossed over the Red Sea, there was great rejoicing, tambourines, people dancing. Uh, It was an incredible uh, celebration. Can you imagine 400 years in captivity? And finally, they're on the other side of it. Egyptians are gone and, and they are finally free and they're, they're, they're singing and dancing and, and rejoicing for about three days. And then the people started complaining and murmuring. Sound familiar? So it certainly does. Uh, we don't have any food. We don't have water. We should have stayed in Egypt. The onions were amazing in Egypt. The cucumbers and all the rest of it. Well, God gave them manna, water and guided them with His presence. At one point, God tells Moses uh, to go up the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai in particular, to give him the Ten Commandments. Well, Moses is there for 40 days. While he's up there, the people begin to say, well, where's Moses? They didn't know he was going to come back after 40 days. You can just imagine. He's away 10, 20. Is he coming back? Uh, When is he coming back? Is he dead? What's happened to Moses? And so they said to Aaron, who was the number two, we need a God to worship. And Aaron, of course, said, well, if that's what you want, that's what we do. And as a result of that, they made a golden calf. It's unbelievable to think about. And the Bible says they sacrificed to it. They ate, they drank, and they indulged in revelry, says the Bible. What's revelry? It's not good. (laughs) The word itself doesn't sound good, and it's not good at all. It's amazing how quickly they forgot God. It's amazing how quickly they turned their back on God and now they're worshipping a golden calf. It's 
picture of how quickly we can turn to God, turn away from God. So it's, it's a picture of how quickly we can forget God. You can imagine how God's heart is broken as he's watching all of this. What's interesting is how God ends up dealing with Israel. He says, um, you, you want to do this your way? You, 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 you obviously don't want to listen to what I'm saying to you. You want to do it your way. Okay, fine, you go. Uh, you go into the promised land. I'm going to send an angel before you. He's going he's to destroy all your enemies in front of you. He's going to go ahead of you, drive your enemies out. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going to come with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God says, listen, I'm going to send an angel before you. He's going to wipe out your enemies. You go, but I'm not coming with you because you guys are a stiff-necked people. And by stiff-necked, it didn't mean they needed to see a physio. <laughs> not a stiff neck. They were stubborn. Had a heart that was not for the things of God. There are times in life where God will warn us repeatedly in an effort to protect us. But when we continue to ignore him, disobey, he says, fine, go ahead. Do this your way. Um, and that's exactly what he did. With the people of Israel, do it your way, but I'm not coming with you. And you'll be on your own. And this was a wake-up call for the people of Israel. The Bible says when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. No one put on any ornaments. They knew that without the presence of God, they were nothing. It was God's power, it was God's strength, ability that enabled them to be where they were in that particular moment. It was, it was God who had defeated uh, the enemies of Israel. And, uh, and so Moses begins to intercede for the people. And in the middle of that, he says, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. So I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Uh, this verse has caught my attention for many years. I uh, remember I was in an Italian service a long, long time ago, very, very, very long time ago, uh, maybe when I was 18 or 19, pastor preaches on this text and he reads these words and it kind of hit me because... I just love the, the spirit of the verse. I love the heart of Moses. I love his heart towards God. It was a reflection of how I was feeling. Um, it's, 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 it's one of those verses which is powerful. It's one of those verses where you, just, you don't just move on to the next one. You could actually sit and camp in this verse and kind of dig it up and, and, and go mining here because there's so much uh, in this particular verse. If you get nothing else from these messages... I just pray that Moses' prayer would become our prayer. Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, if you're pleased with me, then, then teach me your ways, Lord God, because I want to know you. And I want to find favour with you. This first raises a really important question for me, which I've kind of been thinking about for quite a while. I've, you know, I've been writing notes. I've got a little book where I write notes and I'm thinking, you know, the series has been in my head. I still don't. You know, I have full clarity about, you know, a way forward. But, but the question that's in my mind that I've been asking myself and maybe in your life groups, you can try and unpack. But what are the ways of God that reveal the heart of God and release His favour? Teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. So the question for me is, well, what are the ways of God that reveal the heart of God and actually release His favour in our lives? I want to know them. Now, in order to answer that question, the first thing we need to understand is the ways of God. What does the Bible mean when it says the ways of God? 
The word way in the Hebrew is the word uh, dereh, used 700 times in the Bible. Um, and it's used to describe uh, different things at different times, but, but it's used to describe a way, a road, a physical path, a physical way, a physical path, uh, or a physical road. But the word is most often used in Scripture in a, in a metaphorical sense. It's a term uh, uh, used to describe a direction, a path, a decision, uh, a way of doing life. Uh, it's more describing how we do life. You know, we use this in English. We say it's my way or the highway. Come on. How many people say that? Yeah, that's the ones with a neck problem. You know, this thing. <laughs> go see a physio or a chiro, you know. Uh, it's my way or the highway. It's talking about the way we do things. Uh, Bible refers to the way of lying. It's not a road, but it is a road. It's a path. It's the way of lying. It's a, it's a decision to lie. Uh, the way of truth, the way of wisdom, the way of fools, the way of faithfulness, the way of the wicked, and on and on it goes. Uh, the Bible also speaks about the way of the Lord which refers to the principles of God, the commands of God, um, the heart of God, the things, uh, the things that God thinks are important. It's, just, it's, it's, uh, it's the will of God. It's the way of the Lord. It, it speaks about not just the principles and the commands of God. It also speaks about the will of God for my life, the way of the Lord for you and for me, the principles by which God does things. Now, I love the, ana the analogy here. It's that of a road. A road is leading uh, somewhere. Uh, if you follow a particular path um, or a, a way or a road, it's going to lead you to a destination. Um, and so, you know, if you get onto the M1 freeway and you head south, uh, well, it's generally it's going to lead you to Melbourne. You know, uh, it's not going to lead you to Perth if you go on, on the M1 freeway that way. Uh, if you go this other way, go north, yeah, the more likely it's going to lead you to Perth. You know, it's the, the, whole under, the whole concept is the path is leading somewhere. It's a way, it's a road, it's a path. It's going to lead to some kind of destination. And there's the way of God, which leads us somewhere. But there's also the way of the wicked, the way of fools, which also leads somewhere. Um... So let me give you some examples in Scripture how this is used, um, how this particular Scripture is used. The Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So again, we're talking about principles. We're talking about uh, 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 decisions, uh, commands, ways of doing things. God says, my ways are different than your ways. How often do we think, well, you know, we face a situation and we think, well, well, I think this is what I should do. I think this is the way I should handle this particular situation. And it's not always God's way. Um, it's not always God's thoughts. And so we, I, I don't know about you, but I want to seek after the ways of God by His grace and for His glory. Um, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. 
and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, in all your decisions, uh, in all your desires, in all your goals, ambitions in life, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. When you're in a crossroad and you don't know if you go, should go left or right, what shall I do, where shall I go? In all your, don't lean on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll guide you and lead you. Speaking of the people of Israel, God said they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a a molded calf and worshipped and sacrificed to it. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. There it is again. You'll see this scripture appear or this word appear again and again. And there's derivatives of this particular word which appear again and again in scripture. Uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my right eye. Uh, this scripture has been like a life verse for me. I, when, when I first became the pastor, I remember the Holy Spirit gave me this word. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you and I will watch over you with my right eye, uh, says, says the King James. Um, and, and in the sense here, it's not necessarily speaking about, you know, uh, the principles of God or the, the commands of God. I, I, I think it's speaking more about specific situations where you don't know what to do. And God says, don't worry, I'm going to teach you. Don't worry, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to instruct you in what you should do in this particular situation. How many people know we face situations all day long and the Bible teaches us the principles, but we face things and we don't know whether we should go left or whether we should go right. How do I handle this situation? What we need in those particular times is a word from the Lord. And this promise becomes a promise for us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I counsel you and I will watch over you. We're encouraged to give, give, give careful thought to your ways. Uh, it's about insight. It's about, it's about giving thought to how you do things and why you do things. So there's two things I want to do uh, this morning with this particular passage of Scripture. There's two things I want to do. First, I want to give you some principles that come directly out of the text. First, I want to give you some principles that come directly out of the text. And then I want to share one of the ways that we can come to know God. So let me give you some principles out of the text, first of all. Uh, first of all, um, the ways of God can be learnt. The ways of God can be learnt. A little bit of teaching this morning, which isn't going to hurt us. Uh, the ways of God can actually be learnt. Notice it says, teach me your ways. The King James Version says, show me your ways. Uh, Psalmist David said something very similar. He said, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me for you, God, my salvation on you. I wait all the day. Again, it's the, same, it's the same concept. It means that the ways of God can actually be learnt. We can actually come to know in an intimate way what the ways of God actually are. Moses, like a student, is saying to God, I want to learn. Teach me your principles. It's powerful. Teach me your commands. I want to learn how you do things, God. Teach me your ways, oh God. What a beautiful prayer. What a great scripture. What a, what, what a great desire of your heart to say, God, I, I want to learn how you do things, God. I want to learn how you respond, God. I want to learn how you react to situations, what I should do, what I should do with that boss that's uh, causing a stiff neck, pain somewhere. 
What, what do I do with that situation? What do I do with this other situation? Teach me your ways, oh God. I wanna learn. Is there a course I can enrol in? Says Moses. Because I wanna learn. I wanna go to the school. I wanna go to the school where I can learn how you do things, God. Because the way that I do things is not always a good thing. One of the reasons why we read the Word, study the Word, come to church is because we wanna learn the principles by which God does things. It's why this is, this is powerful. Why, why do we return again and again and again? We return because of the presence of God. We love to worship God and we sense God's presence and we felt that this morning, but we also wanna learn. I wanna learn about the principles of God. I wanna learn His Word. The Bereans investigated the Scriptures, the Bible says. They studied the Word. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. They cut out time in their week because they wanted to, they wanted to study the Word because they wanted to know what are the ways of God because they understood something about the importance of God's ways because they lead us to knowing God and they lead to the favour of God. I wanna learn your ways, God. Man, it's, 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 a, it's a time out moment. It's a time out kind of situation in our lives where we've got to stop and say, wait, before we go on, Lord, I want you to know one of my ambitions in life is to know your ways. God said to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And here's the key to prosperity. And by the way, prosperity is a Bible word. We need to redeem it in the church. It's been misused, it's been abused, but, but it's, a, it's a Bible word. God calls us, it's okay to be prosperous. Can I hear an amen? It's okay to be successful. Success is not the same as the world's success. God doesn't measure success. How God, how, 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 sorry, the, devil, the world doesn't measure success how God measures success. My simple definition of success is doing the will of God. It's that simple. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Talk about it. Meditate on it day and night. Um, bit of that. It's okay. It's biblical. Think about it all day long so that you may be able to careful to what? Do that which is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't sit, walk and stand with bad company, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the water. Whatever they do, there it is again, prospers. It's the secret of prosperity. Psalm 19, I've read this scripture so many times, but I just go back to it. Um, because it's a powerful scripture. Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. The principles of God's Word are more important to you and me than, than gold is what the Word of God is saying. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. It's the same concept, success, prosperity, great reward. There it is. What the Bible is saying is if you know the principles of God's Word, it's gonna go really well for you. So often we get into trouble because we follow our ways. We follow man's ways. We follow the world's ways. We get advice from people that we shouldn't be getting advice from. 
We get it. We, we, you know, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world is completely different. Sometimes the wisdom of the world sounds almost okay, but it's completely contrary to the wisdom of God. The Bible says, love your enemies. Gee, that's, that doesn't sound right to me. The world says, hate your enemies. The Bible says, love your enemies and do good to them. Mm. It's the ways of God. It's the ways of God that lead to, to favour, that lead to, come on, that lead to prosperity, that lead to success. It's the ways of God. It's the ways of God. What we need to know more than anything else, Lord, teach me your ways, says Moses. Man, he's, he's saying, man, I don't wanna know nothing else. I wanna know your ways. And what we need to do is cultivate this lifelong ambition in our hearts and lives. I wanna know your ways, God. Second thing that we notice in, Mo, is Mo, in Moses is he wants to know the ways of God, not the acts of God. Psalm 103 says he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. People of Israel saw the acts of God, the plagues, plagues the opening of the Red Sea and so on and so on. There's a big difference between knowing God's actions, his miracles and knowing God's ways. Most of us wanna see the actions of God. I need a miracle, I need more money, I need a job. Nothing wrong with those prayers. We present our requests before God. Nothing wrong with any of that. It's what God commands us, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall knock. And the, nothing wrong with any of that. God invites us to do that. But if our relationship with God only revolves around what we can get from Him, we're spiritual babies. A mark of those who are mature is that they don't get excited about God's acts. They wanna know God. They wanna know Him. They wanna understand His ways. You know, babies are beautiful and they're cute. That's about it. They're always drawing stuff out of you. Thank God we're over that stage. Every time there's a cry, come. I might as well have a little bell. You know, ding, 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 ding. Yes, I'm here. You know, don't worry about the crying, just get a little bell, you know. Uh, and they're always drawing, 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 drawing. And then they become teenagers. Hasn't stopped, you know, they're still drawing, <laughs> except it costs more money now, you know. <laughs> it's just, uh, um, but at some point, you know, when they, when they become mature, it shifts and they start, help me to understand. Man, when you, when, you, when you start to have a relationship with your children that way, you know it's gone deeper and there's maturity now. Help me to understand. Spiritual maturity is to get to a point in our life where we don't see God as Father Christmas, we see the world, we start to see God. Lord, you're smarter than me, you know more than me. Teach me your ways so that I can see the world from your perspective. See people like you see them, see situations like you see them. Become so much like God that He actually starts to minister through us. Isn't that what the goal of every believer should be to become like Jesus? Isn't that what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What, what, what are we? What's our goal? What's our mission? To become like Jesus. So Lord, teach me your ways. Jesus said, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not just about heaven. It's about experiencing heaven here on earth. Now this is how you can experience eternal life, says Jesus. 
by knowing God. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Number three, the motivation for Moses to know the ways of God was to know God intimately. We're already talking about that. Teach me your ways so I may know you. Moses says to God, the reason why I want to know you uh, your ways is so that I can know who you are, how you think, how you act, what's important to you. What's interesting is Moses already had an intimate relationship with God. Three verses earlier, this is what it says. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I mean, come on, can it, can it get any more intimate than that? Can it get any closer than that? Three verses later, he says, teach me your way so I may know you. Are you serious? Because Moses had, an inter, had this ambition to know God in an intimate way. In fact, a few verses down, if you continue to read uh, 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 Exodus 33, he says, now show me your glory. He says, it's this, um, it's this lifelong ambition to know God intimately. I've said on a number of occasions, our primary calling in life is to know God. Everything we do in life, every decision we make should come out of an intimate relationship with God. Everything in life is secondary compared to knowing God. Lord, I just want to know you. The Apostle Paul is at the end of his life, seen miracles, been to the third heaven or fourth or fifth. He's seen, he's seen dead people come back to life. He's at the end of his life. I just want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you, God. And I tell you, I don't know, I don't know about you, but as I get older... You know, the problems just keep coming, seriously. <laughs> seriously, they're like on a train. You know, one, goodbye, we see that problem and there's another one coming, hello. It's on time, yes, good, here's another one. And here's another one, and here's another one. They'll keep on coming. They just keep on coming. And we can either be consumed by these problems or we can use the problems to bring, I'm convinced that there are some problems, not all, not all, but there are some issues in life that are designed to draw us into the presence of God so that we don't get consumed by this, but actually we start to draw nearer to God. Lord, help me to understand. Help me to know. Help me to see. Help me to think like you think, Lord God. I want to know you. What would you do if you were in my shoes? How do you want me to respond in this situation? I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God. And then fourthly, the motivation for Moses to know the ways of God was to experience his favour. What we need more than anything else in life is not the favour of people. You don't need the favour of your employer to get a promotion. You don't need, we don't need the favour of the economy. What we need is the favour of God. When we have the favour of God, doors begin to open in our lives. When we have the favour of God, opportunities fall on our lap. Everything we touch turns to gold. We have the Midas touch. When we have the favour of God, we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the favour of God. I remember one of the jobs I had, Commonwealth Government, we were all on contract two or three positions become, permanent positions become available full-time. hundred or so people apply. I thought my chances were very, very slim. Very, 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 very slim. Um, people were working longer hours than me. <laughs> Felt bad. Uh, getting there earlier, leaving later. And by the grace of God, I managed to land one of those positions. And I think it had to do with how smart I was. Um, <laughs> 
I think that's what it was really. I think that's what really convinced the panel. Uh, There's none of that. <laughs> Are you kidding? It was the favour of God. And then they said, you know, they had company cars. If you work for government, you know that those cars had to be garaged. And whoever lived closest to the place got to garage the car. And guess who was the closest to the place? It was, voila, me, <laughs> me. So not only did I get the job, I got the garage of the car. I was, yeah, God, it's the favour of God. Moses says, I want to learn your ways so that I may know you and find favour with you. So here's the question. And it's a question I want you to ask. I want you to go away from here today. I want you to do some homework with this sermon. I want you to, I want you to ask yourself this question. So what are the ways of God? that reveal the heart of God and release His favour? What, what are the ways of God that, that enable us to know God in a deeper way and release His favour? I want to give you one very quickly in seven minutes. One of the ways that reveals the heart of God and releases His favour is the way of desire. Principle comes directly out of the text. Moses is praying, he's asking, he's desiring to know. What, what is desire? Desire from a biblical perspective uh, the word desire means something I long for. It's a deep feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. God always reveals his ways to people that desire to know his ways. To people who passionately pursue God more than milk or honey, power, success or fame. We want you, said Moses. I don't care about the rest of it. I don't care. I just want to know you. Lord, if you're not coming with me, we're not going up. I don't really don't care. I don't want all of that. I just want you, God. God is drawn to people like that. Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Great illustration of the power of desire in a scripture from James. Um, it's the theme is temptation. Listen to this scripture. James says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, says James. So James, in this particular scripture, is giving us the process of temptation. Uh, it's a, you're saying, what has this got to do with your subject? Listen, he says it begins by the desires of the heart. When desire is conceived, um, when you give in to that desire, in this case a sinful one, it begins to grow and eventually gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. It's the, it's the, it's the progression of conception to birth uh, um, of, of, a, of a baby. And, uh, and it says uh, desire, uh, when desire is conceived, um, when, when, when you give in to that desire, a sinful one in this case, the end product is, is death. Oh, I just love the way James actually finishes that scripture. He says, don't be deceived because that we are deceived. Because so many of us are deceived. Because we say, no, Pastor Joe, I, get, I, got, I got the scripture. Don't worry, I won't be tempted. I know how far to go and I won't cross that line. Don't worry, Pastor Joe. You could, I've been in church, I've heard the sermon, don't worry. And so not only do we give in to the desire and then we start to, we start to walk along that path and then, and then because we think we're strong enough to handle it until we fall into the ditch and then we come back and say, you were right, James, you were right. That's not the sermon. But what if the desires, that's bad desires. What if the desires are good? What if the desires are godly? 
James says, let's read the scripture again, because it's how we interpret scripture. It's not just what the scripture is saying. The opposite is also true. And it says, what a, when a good desire is conceived, it will grow and eventually it will give birth to righteousness. And when it's full grown, it gives birth to life and favour. That's the power of a desire. So let me just give you some quick thoughts about desires. Number one, desire determines destiny. Desire determines destiny. We always move towards whatever it is we desire. Guy likes a girl, he's looking for ways to talk to her. Person wants to buy a new car, he's on the road driving, all he sees is the new car. Everyone's driving that same car. Have you ever noticed that? Person wants a promotion, it's all they think about, strategizing, scheming. How, what can I do to get to that promotion? When we desire something, whether consciously or unconsciously, we move towards whatever it is you desire, you move towards it all the time. So when a person, when the person we desire is God, how powerful is that? We see this all over the Bible. Ruth's uh, destiny was changed because her desire to obey God. She says to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back. Hey, Ruth, go back to your family. They'll look up. She says, don't you dare send me back to my family. Where you go, I will go. You, where you stay, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Her desire, listen, influenced her decisions and in turn determined her destiny. Our desires influence our decisions, which in turn determine our destiny. Jesus said to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Because in a few days, you're going to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. The early church desired the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they waited on God. There's an old Pentecostal term called tarrying in the presence of God. It's I tarry, I wait on God. I'm tarrying. There's a desire to be baptised with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so we, we desire that and so we tarry, we wait on God. Um, Elijah asked or desired for a double portion. He got it. Jacob desired to be blessed by God and he kept wrestling with God until God blessed him. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Number two, we express our desires through prayer. Our prayers are a reflection of the desires of our heart. God said to Jeremiah, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your hearts. Friend Lon in the 17th century said, to pray is to desire, to desire is to pray. And since if we desire improper things, we may be cursed with the great thing of those desires of our prayer. Therefore, we should desire only high and worthy things. Thomas Aquinas said, uh, the Lord's Prayer is a list of perfect desires. The goal of prayer is for our desires to come into line with God's desires. We think we pray so we can change the mind of God. It's as we pray, God's desires become our desires. I love the scripture, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in God. Seek after God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Des delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What, as I press into God, as I get closer to God, what happens is my desires start to, to mirror God's desires. Suddenly his desires become my desires and they'll be granted. Number three, we can choose which desires we follow. We're not just victims of our desires. 
Desires can be cultivated, directed, and chosen. Great example of this in the life of Jesus. He's praying in Gethsemane. He's about to face the cross and he's wrestling with two competing desires. Desire not to go to the cross, the desire to go to the cross. He prays to God, Father, if you will, if you're willing, take up this, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is competing with two desires. He doesn't want to go to the cross, but he wants to do the will of the Father. His desire not to go to the cross, his desire to go and obey the Father. Inside of us, there'll be all kinds of desires. We need to be careful which desires we choose to follow. Bernard Shaw said, there are two tragedies in life. One is not to get your heart's desire. The other one is to get it. Two tragedies in life. One is not to get your heart's desire. And the other one is sometimes to get it. Prodigal wanted his inheritance right now. I want my inheritance right now. And he got it. And he ended up with the pigs. Midas, it's a Greek mythology, by the way. He did something good, so he gets a wish. And his wish was that everything he touches turned to gold. So he touched his food and it turned to gold. He went to hug his daughter, she turned to gold. And then he asked, he said, no, I, no, no, I, don't, want, I don't want this. <laughs> and asked for it to be taken away. The, what he wanted ended up destroying him. If we choose and submit to God's desires, we will experience life, favour and blessing. Sometimes I've prayed, Lord, give me a desire for, for prayer. I'm struggling to pray. Would you give me a desire for prayer? Lord, would you give me a desire for your word, to love your word? Desire to speak to people about you? A desire... Uh, for the Lord. Let, let the desires of my heart be in keeping with the, your will for my life. So Moses prayed, teach me your ways, O Lord, so I may know you and you continue to find favour with you. I, I just pray that that verse becomes a revelation in our hearts and we add it into our list of things we pray for. Lord, would you teach me your ways? The ways you do things, God, because I want to know you and I want to find favour with you. And one of the ways that he, he reveals himself is through the way of desire. We, we, we are today a product of, our, of yesterday's desires. So if we want to change where we are tomorrow, one way is to cultivate desires that are in keeping with His will. Can I challenge you to pray, Lord, give me, give me, give me the desires that are in line with Your will, with Your purposes. Can I hear an amen? amen. Is that okay today? Would you stand with me? I know it's not a goosebumps message. Oh, I felt the goosebumps. Ooh, just felt it. My stiff neck is better now, you know, it's just a little bit better. Don't have to go and see the chiropractor this week, you know. It's not one of those kind of messages. It's, it's a message that you need to take home and it's, it's going to have to be it's embedded in your heart. Lord, 
teach me your ways. And maybe this week, as you face different situations, rather than just rely on your own understanding, why don't you pray and say, God, how do you want me to deal with this? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to act? Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Father, I just thank you for your word. Your word is precious, powerful. It speaks into the depth of our hearts. And Father, our ambition in life is to know you. It's to know you. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. Father, there might be some people here who don't know you. They heard about you. They've heard about the things that you've done, but they don't know you personally. Lord, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit today, they would open their heart up to you and invite you to be their Lord and Saviour. And to begin by praying simple prayer. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. Let the blessing and favour of God be upon us. As we leave this place, use us for your glory. Use our hands, use our feet, use our mouth to bring glory and honour to you, we pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. You've been an amazing congregation. God bless you. You have a great week in Jesus' name.